0: Leadership is the art of giving people a platform for spreading ideas that work. Welcome to DC Local Leaders, the podcast where we talk to C-suite leaders within the DC area. Our guests share their pathways to success and the important moments that impacted their careers. Lean in as we get the inside scoop on how they are shaping their industries, how they lead, manage, and connect with others. From the sectors of aerospace, defense, tech, IT, and more, this is Local Leaders. Your host has been making meaningful connections with industry leaders for over 15 years. Here's Philip Nathrum.
1: All right. Thanks for tuning back in. We're back with another episode of DC Local Leaders. I'm your host, Philip Nathrum. Today, we're going to be talking with Jeremiah Watts. Jeremiah is the Watts portion of D. Watts, locally based here in the Washington, D.C. area. Him and his business partner, David Doherty, started this company five years ago and Jeremiah just gives us a an honest take on what was going through his mind as he went through this four-year period of going back and forth and continuing to meet with David and do they want to do this, do they not, and some of the impactful moments that shape the way that they do business now and how they develop those core values that, as a company, they embody in every project they do. Uh, it tells us about the pumpkin plan and what that's meant to him and how that impacted both of them, how they run their business. So really excited to bring that to you. Thanks again to everyone who is liking and subscribing all of our videos, all of our podcasts, both on Apple and Spotify. Also Notecast. If you're unfamiliar with Notecast, we are live on Notecast. Notecast allows you to take notes directly from the podcast. So if you just tap the screen and hold it down, it will make an audio note and it will also send you the text in the form of an email. So you don't have to take anything, you don't have to write anything down. So book recommendations, um, things like the pumpkin plan, meditation practices, or just business planning, 360s, things that were helpful for them to know as an entrepreneur, as a business leader, or just even as a leader within their company or their community, if you want to take that note too, you don't have to worry about writing anything down. Notecast makes it easy. So... Looking forward to getting into this episode, and thanks again for tuning in. Yeah, well, welcome, Jeremiah. Thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. We're back with another episode of DC Local Leaders, and today, you're our guest, Jeremiah Watts from D. Watts Construction. Philip. The listeners may not know this, but we've known each other for a very long time. We Um, have. Well, I, I remember... It was
2: 95 pounds. So how old were we there? You were a little bit older. Yeah, there. man. That was, uh, I guess we were about pre-teens there. That's right. You were a little younger. But yeah. But you were, you were still on the team rolling with us. Yeah, because I was heavy. <laughs>
1: um, I was playing line. I was the center. You remember? Yep. Started yep. playing center and then eventually lost a little weight and became tackle and then guard. And, but yep. by then, you were in high school and we played together. I was on junior varsity while you were on varsity in high school. And then you went on to Brown and played there, too. Yeah. D. Watts Construction um that's you and david doherty right so doherty watts is what d watt stands for yep how many people are in your company
2: so now we uh we're just wrapping up five years as a business uh we're a 28 person firm um uh 50 million dollars in volume as a as a general contractor in the in the local market so
1: and when did you start
2: so we started, uh, I think, to the week five years ago. Really? So,
1: so this is your anniversary week yeah, that we're recording Yeah, this, this is it. Yeah, we're
2: wrapping up five years, and it has uh, it has flown by. Yeah, well, but congratulations. Yeah, yeah thank yeah.
1: you. Well, I want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about yourself and, and your path. I mentioned Brown, so you're at Brown, and then you did work for Hit for a while, and now you're at D-Watt's. You know, I, I'd love to hear kind of why you thought you wanted to do something on your own. You were already a leader at, at Hit. How did you decide to make that next step? Yeah,
2: you know, it's um, it was it was a long time coming. I I, uh, I actually, you know, my story, I, I kind of stumbled into uh, commercial real estate. I didn't know what I was going to do out, out of school. Um, at the time, I had a had a mentor who happened to be in real estate, uh, a gentleman by the name of Tony Gould, who worked for Newmark Knight for twenty plus years, and. Um, he connected me with, uh, senior management at a company, hit contracting. Um, and, uh, you know, I kind of took a chance and, and just jumped into it. And, uh, you know, I spent 12 years right out of school with, you know, lucky at the, you know, didn't realize how blessed I was early on, but come to find out, you know, just one of the best in town at, at what they, what they do and really learned the right way, um, through the years. And, you know, I'd say it was probably um, almost ten years in, eight to ten years in, and and you know, I had always had kind of that entrepreneurial thing in the back of my mind for you know even as a young guy when I got started. And it took a while to finally get comfortable and confident in the idea that I could jump out and do it. Um, you know, I probably went back and forth about four years or so before I, I actually finally pulled the trigger. And for me, it just really came down, you know, I love what I was doing, great people there, you know, I love what we were doing out in the market. But for me, you know, it, it turned into a little, um, you know, I think I asked myself this question a little bit at the time when it's all said and done years down the road, right? And I think we all kind of maybe we play these games with ourselves or visualize, you know, what are they going to say about us and our life spent, and our time spent. And and a couple of things that, that really moved the needle to, for me personally was the idea of really giving back and and influencing um giving opportunities to others you know and it was the idea of showing that success could come in different tones and hues and you know being a diverse you know african-american guy myself not growing up with a ton of mentors or i didn't have a bunch of people that looked out like me doing stuff like you know growing businesses or you know at least in my circle my family circle so I love the idea of potentially becoming that for someone, you know, those were just some pretty cool wise that, that ultimately gave me the push I needed to jump out there and, and at least give it a try.
1: When you say going back and forth, right. You're coming up with the whys And I love that. Did you read Simon Sinek's starting with what
2: I've, I've come I've Yeah. I've come across Simon's, you know, yeah. he's a, he's a big why guy. And, uh, you know, you, yeah, somewhere through this journey, you know, I I don't know exactly when, but, you know, connecting with his message. But, yeah, I'm I'm a big, big Y guy. So, you know, to talk about kind of that back and forth, though. Because that's I, a long
1: time, right? Four years. It is. To, that's got to be agonizing to think that because you were doing well at HIT. I, I mean, right. I know your career at HIT. You were doing really well and working on some really great projects. Uh, but it sounds like there was something in there uh, within you that you wanted a little bit more. What did that feel like to for that four-year period?
2: Yeah, you know, I think the looking back is um, – one, it's it's for me, I think the biggest holdback for me, honestly, it was confidence, uh, you know, a genuine belief that I had what it took to go out and do what I see so many, many of these other successful entrepreneurs and business owners doing. Um, um, I didn't grow up with a bunch of folks, like I said, in my circle or new folks, you know, whether that's uncles or you know, friends of family or anything where I saw it happening. I, you know, I think in the back of you know, at least in my mind, um, that that influences your confidence, your own confidence in yourself. You know, I tell you, and this is a side tangent to that, but this is why I'm a big believer that diversity matters. Right? It matters in leaders of position, you know, uh, positions of leadership, or you know, uh, in the classroom, or, or or you know, wherever, whatever facets of society because you know it it allows others to see themselves in those roles and 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 so for me just kind of coming back to it not having that right and 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 really just just not truly believing that I had what it took and 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 I think part of it is because you know there's some part entrepreneurship to some degree it's it's a mystery behind it like you know I think people don't Fully understand what it takes or what the risks involve. and and it's scary. It's scary, right? And and it, it was no different for me. Um, you know, and, and on one hand of the 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 coin, I I knew what I was doing. Uh, technically, very sound at what I was doing. I had relationships, but I think that unknown behind the mystery behind entrepreneurship kind of keeps you on the cliff. It keeps you from jumping off because it it's scary. What we don't know, right? Is it's it's scary, and and so um, just kind of waffling between the two. And, and honestly, it, it, it took four years for the, the, you know, the wise to sink into the point where it's like, all right, the wise had to outweigh the fear. Right. And so, um, well, I think, yeah, what, what was that last straw
1: that, that broke the camel's back for you that really pushed you over that edge and said, you know what, I'm jumping. I'm gonna yeah, I
2: tell you, no, that's a good question. The, the final straw for me, and, and it was, it was kind of connected to the why, you know, I, I just remember one night thinking, um, because at the time I hadn't really started my family yet, and I knew at some point kids were going to come. And um, how old
1: were you at that point? Can I ask?
2: So yeah, at that point, I guess uh, I was thirty-five years old. Thirty-five. Right? So, and at the time, you were single. Yep, I was engaged. Right. Right. With so wife, you had some right? around. That's right. I was engaged, and you know, I knew in the next couple of years we were going to, you know, uh, make it official and start the families and stuff. And so it was two parts there. One was like, all right, if I'm going to do this you know, now's the time. I've got the energy. I don't have the added responsibility of the children. Um, but the other thing for me that really pushed me over the edge is finally, you know, it's coming back to the why I mentioned earlier, like this this yearning to be a face and represent, right, for 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 others that maybe come from humble beginnings or maybe that look like me or, you know, in a minority, et cetera. And I said, I said, man, I just said to myself, look, Jeremiah, you're an Ivy League graduate who learned at one of the best in the town, arguably in the country, building large, complex construction projects. Um, you know, you've got a certain hunger and relationships with you, and if if you don't go out and take a chance and take a swing and try this entrepreneurship thing, then who else should be? Right. Like, you know, and, and, and at the end of the day, for me, it's like, you know, I've been blessed with all these things up to that point. And I just, you know, it was the final straw. I said, all right, now's the time before the family starts. I've got to give it a shot so that, you know what, I'd love one day for my son or my cousins and nephews or whoever to be like, hey, Uncle Jeremiah, you know, hey, he's, he's done this over the years. Yeah, you can do it or go talk to him. Right. Right. Something that I never had.
1: Yeah. I think what I'm hearing is, you know, this concept of you can't be what you can't see. Right. So if you don't have any examples of whatever it is around you existing, we don't know what we don't know. It it may just never occur to you that you can do that. Right. Right. If you've if you've never encountered a person that made widgets, you wouldn't even think of, hey, maybe I could be a widget maker. That's right. You know, like it just That's 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 just a human thing. It wouldn't even come. That's right. Come to mind. That's right. So during this time, so you so you reached that point. Where did David Doherty come into play,
2: and how long had you guys known each other? Yeah, so you know one 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 thing. Once I made the decision, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go, I'm gonna do this. Uh, so what I, I started to kind of just reach out to folks that I respected in the industry that I knew through the years, other business owners, other entrepreneurs as kind of a last back check just to really pick their brains and like understand what I was getting into, fully getting into and things to think about and and, and one of the things that came out of one of these sit downs and lunches was the idea, um, I'd actually really recommend you think about, you know, finding someone you trust and respect, maybe, you know, connecting as a partner. Um, you know, that person gave me kind of the pros and cons to it, but there were way more pros to having someone an equal to go out and kind of share some of that risk and that stress and, you know, just kind of the, you know, working together to create something special. And, and, and I love the idea of it. And then, you know, in that moment, too, it, it also hit me that, uh, you know, or I came out in that conversation. They said, to be careful, though, because it's going to be like a marriage. You know, like once you all go, whoever you team up with, you're tied at the hip with that person and there's no easy separation at any point, right? And so, you know, you start thinking and you start thinking of folks you you know and like, well, who may be that right fit? And I tell you, you realize uh, it wasn't a very big list. It, it really wasn't of people that, all right, you could really see yourself, quote unquote, getting married to and dedicating yourself to. But I tell you, Dave was one of those people for me. I, I knew him, uh, his years at HIT. He he was a guy who, who spent some time at HIT and just a just a just a good guy, you know, family guy, three daughters, you know, just doing things right, well respected in the industry. Um, I got to see him up close in our time together at HIT. He focused on high end law firms. That was his bread and butter and his teams. And and the other thing I really liked about Dave, you know, my career was very linear. A uh, junior guy to twelve years in at HIT, Dave, the one thing I liked is he had a little bit of varied experience. So he actually went to a couple other bigger firms and uh, you know, one of the things I really love was his varied experience and being able to kind of see how others think about things and what we do and different, right? And so his his personal attributes, his relationships in town, that varied experience, I thought we'd be, you know, a, kind of a good fit to to to, to sit down and, and at least see if this made sense. And that's what we did. We sat down, and uh, sure enough, I, I think it, it, a funny story, not a, a lot of folks know this, I think when we first sat down, you know, at first, Dave. Dave, I think he was—he was just in the point in life where his exact words to me when I first kind of sat down and I thought that this made sense. He said, "Man, I kind of wish you would have uh, connected with me a year or two ago." But at this point. Like I think at the time he was expecting his third daughter. Okay. They had just bought the dream home. Okay. And he was just like, man
1: He had responsibilities. He wasn't able he had to
2: growing responsibilities yeah. and he was you know, he was doing a, he was doing great stuff over at Gilbane, kinda of growing their interiors group and he shot me down, man yeah <laughs> what would that feel
1: like like what what do you do because you have this dream right and, and now
2: well I you know at the end of our our dinner it was it was nothing but respect nothing but love completely understood it and I had to make a decision though do I still have the confidence to go out and go do this on my own now like Dave right. was like one of the he was like one of the only people honestly I I knew and trusted at the time and and uh so I was kind of weighing that but I, I decided you know what I am going to go do it and then uh, about a week later, it's funny. I'm sitting in my living room, and then I get get a text, and he's like, "Damn it, I can't stop thinking about mm-hmm. it. Let's let's catch back up and talk a little bit more, you know, over another dinner." And uh, that's what we did. And five years later, here we are. Our 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 individual strengths and weaknesses played off well with each other. And I think from this story, that is one piece of advice I'd give to others in that similar situation. It shouldn't just be about you know the person's a good person or not, and they've got the experience, but understanding your own strengths and weaknesses mm. and trying to partner with someone who complements that well. And I mean, I kind of got lucky in this sense that, and I think that's been the part of the secret to our success as well.
1: Yeah. Well, so to that, looking back, right, let's, let's take that example of someone who is very technical in their experience, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's contracting, maybe it's, um, anything else, right? Marketing, pick, pick yep. any, any, yep. Um, Profession, you know, having the lens that you have now, what are some of the things that you think you would suggest to someone to do to find out what those strengths and weaknesses are so that they can? Honestly, evaluate that. Right. I think having a, a, you know, being right sized and having an honest appraisal of what we do um, is is what being humble is. Right. It's not being humiliated is not being humble. It's understanding what we do well and what we don't being happy with what we do well. And yes, we can improve. You know, it's kind of like I I had a great example for uh, from another person that was on the podcast. He mentioned that, um, you know, if his weakness was batting and they were playing baseball, he could get better at getting on base but if he had someone else on his team that hit a home run every time was that the best use of his time right does he need to get on base at this point right. maybe he's better in the dugout or in the outfield or wherever right yep. so how, how do they find that out right like yeah. the burning desires in there
2: yeah i i great question and i i think what are you passionate about what gives you energy what activities and tasks that you find yourself doing that you know you blink and you open your eyes and it's 45 minutes later like what are the things that you really enjoy first of all right um I think that's a pretty good clue of like just where you're naturally inclined and like what you gravitate towards you know for example, if you're just you're a people person you love to talk and like get to know people and connect and like right like that that's where you get your energy from well you know what that business development thing maybe it kind of right it's 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 part of your strength set, Um, uh, but but I'd say the other thing is not just to stop there, um, but I think some really solid 360s, you know, feedback, you know, getting it from people who know you best because Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, we all think we're really good at something or this or that and come to find out, not as good as we thought, right? Right. And so so I think an honest, you know, feedback from your peers, from folks who know you that give it to you straight, Not, not to give you what you want to hear, Dave and I kind of back and forth early on too, trying to figure this out. And this is some of the things that kind of helped us kind of fine tune a little bit. I I think the third part, though, to that question, especially, you know, whether that's start up a business, create a team, grow a team is is you got to also take a step back and assess what are the strengths that you need in that endeavor, in that company, in that team? Like, what are the Mm -hmm. things that move the needle the most? right? Specifically for, specifically for what you're trying, to do, what you know? you're trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, there's certain, whether it's industries or, or goals or things, you're, you know, some of those strengths or weaknesses may not matter as much too. So I think that's the other part of it, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's to kind of combine those and then take your strengths and weaknesses and, and fit it into that endeavor, however, makes the most sense, right? And then, you know, I think the final point to this is to continually assess and reassess if it's working or not, right? And, and being open to that and having that flexibility. And that's something else that I think we've tried to do a pretty good job at as, as we've as we've run. Um
1: In those early days, what were some of the things you were doing together as a, as a unit and as a team and as you added more members to continue to reevaluate those strengths and weaknesses and grow along a certain line to develop as a leader, develop as a person, that kind of thing?
2: As you start a new business, what you quickly learn is that Regardless of your strength or weakness, you're doing a little bit of everything. (laughs) That's just the reality. Was it just
1: the two of you in the beginning?
2: In the very beginning, there were uh, four of us. Uh, David and I, um, you know, we brought on a superintendent and then we brought on and 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 it was actually a family member of mine it was my sister who i trusted to be our quote unquote office manager and just kind of front desk and help us Mm -hmm. you know with all the loose ends you know that we would need help with in the early early uh days and so she came on board and a funny memory i just remember we we just had you know we we got some office space found a great deal uh you know it's 2500 square feet and uh our first officially first day of business it's we had a couple picnic tables and it's Dave, myself, and our superintendent sit there and they're like, This is All it. right, this yeah. is it. We're uh, we're open for business. Now what do we do? You right. know what I'm
1: saying? No projects. No, no projects. No income on the balance. No sheet. income.
2: Not, yeah. Not none of that. And and You know, there was some pre-planning up to that point. So, I mean, we knew, you know, day one, it was just like getting the message out there, going out connected with people. And I'm giving you kind of the inside scoop, you know, on how to think as you're starting up a company and some of the things we did. Well, we said, all right, well, what does a successful construction company look like in, you know, period, whether it's one year, five years down the road. And, And actually, we tried to go a little down the road. We said, what does it look like in five years, 10 years? Let's kind of map that out you know, an organization, an org chart with roles and what does it need to function at a high level? And then for us, it was to function at a high level in the type of work we want to do. And that was, you know, high end commercial office spaces, you know, the bigger, the better, the, you know, the more complex, et cetera. And so what does that look like? And what are all the roles that we need to fill? And so, we we drew out that org chart we looked at the different teams and sectors and behind the scenes that we need and then we said all right well we've got to divvy up all these roles and and cover them so cuz cause cause at the end of the day it doesn't matter if we're a three person four person firm or a 30 person firm like the stuff has to get done and that's where you know that's where I was going earlier is like as an early co-founder You're wearing a lot of hats and we're doing a lot of the same stuff and it doesn't matter. We're just trying to, we're trying to, cause at the end of the day, the external experience for our customers and clients and subs, it has to feel the same. It has to look the same. And so that's the challenge, right? So I think actually, I think in the early, early days, you know, it's a little less about kind of fitting in where your strengths and weaknesses are. It's, it's, you know, hopefully we all got the flexibility and and the commitment to do what's needed. To, to to do you know, do what we have to do to, to to deliver the, you know, what we're selling at the end of the day. And then now as time goes on, right, you start to it was funny, you know, after a year goes by, you know, we're out up to ten or twelve people and you start to remove your face from that org chart and, you know, fifteen positions. Now you could kind of you got some people replacing you in a couple of these roles. And uh you continue to do that, right? And we're still we're still doing that. You know, there's still you know, we're still wearing multiple hats, you know, not as many. Thank, thank goodness. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a continued thing. But I, but I will say as the company has grown now, we're, you know, the last couple of years, we're starting to get in that position where we can really, really reassess what are our strengths, what are our weaknesses, and what's the best use of our time, like you mentioned earlier, Bill, you know? So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, there was a lot that. Of- that I think just goes back to what you were saying in the beginning, that you can't be what you can't see. You guys sought out the companies that you want to emulate. That's and right. And you, you looked for that example of the type of company you'd like to be in something that already existed, right? You can't be yeah. what you can't see. So you went and saw something that looked the way that you wanted your company to look. Uh, and there's a lot of advice. Out there. if you If you want what they have, do what they do. And that applies to so many different things, right? If I see someone else in the gym... And they have the body style or the athleticism that I want, then I should probably practice their diet, their workout routine, their lifestyle habits, and I probably will get what they have, like that sort of thing. Right, right. If you see someone that has the career style, the career that you want do what they do. If they're constantly learning and reading and going to networking events and associating with other people that can help them do something differently, then do that. If there are things,
2: those, those, those habits. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great point, Philip. And, and it, you know, it's not always about reinventing the wheel and, and trying to do it all from scratch. But yeah, like you said, it's, it's, you know, there are examples, there are folks or companies that, that have gone before us and, 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 of course, you build from it. You get creative. You try to add something to the mix, which is key, too, especially that differentiates yourselves in the market now. You have to do that. But
1: it's not starting from scratch. Right. People are expecting a certain type of product when they're hiring a GC, for example, especially right. for a Class A interiors build out sort of thing. And, and you have to at least be that. I want to get into you as an individual right and some of the things that you're practicing as an individual and then how it applies to your ability to lead your team how many people do you have in your company again
2: sure so we're uh, 28 people 28 people
1: so that's a big responsibility right that's 28 people that are counting on you to be as healthy as possible to be as mentally sound as possible to be as motivated as possible on a daily basis to make good decisions for them,
2: yeah, right. To yeah. lead them, there's, there's, there's definitely a certain amount of pressure that comes with that. Yeah, uh, you know, especially as you grow and as this company grows, and you know, our our people are our biggest asset. And but you know, understanding that attached to every one of those people are family members and loved ones and children, and yeah, it's it's uh, it, it can be when you take a step back and and think about that responsibility. Um, it's 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 pretty special though, you know, to understand that.
1: Yeah. What do you do to prepare yourself for that kind of responsibility? Do you have like a morning routine or some sort of journaling? I know that you mentioned mentorship like right in the beginning, which, you know, I love that. So I'd love to hear how that plays a role in -hmm. what you do on a daily basis.
2: I think mental health and clarity is everything, Um, especially kind of in the role that I am now. And I'm I'm, I'm juggling a lot of things, um, a lot of responsibility. Uh, you know, I, we've, we've talked a lot about kind of the professional stuff, but I should also note, I've got a couple of kids that, that came around after the business started. <laughs> so right. they're both under five and, you know, we've got a five-year-old business and, and so, yeah, it, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to juggle. And, uh, especially when you're serious about doing it the right way, right? So professionally and at home, like I want to be mm-hmm. there for, for them and, and be a good dad, be a good husband and, and, um. And so um, it's it's definitely demanding. It's definitely demanding. And but but for me, coming back to you know the question and, and the routines that have helped with that that balance, yeah, I've always been a big. Um, I love my quiet time. I'm I'm a big uh, both before I go to sleep and in the morning. That's kind of my routine. It's it's sandwiching my uh, my nights with uh, with a little bit of decompress. Uh, you know, before I go to sleep, I'm a big. I never leave the TV on right before sleep. But you know, usually an hour before bedtime, trying to like shut things down, wind things down. You know, whether that's a book or just kind of quiet time. Um, but you know, the morning routine has always been a big one. Um, and before be, and it's tough. It's tempting in our world. Um, to jump right away and start. Being productive and like you know, checking emails and this and that, but a, a, a rule of thumb is I, I, I definitely try not to pick up the phone first thing in the morning. Usually try to give myself about an hour. Um, I'm, I've over the years I've grown. Um, I, I never used to be a morning person. I think construction naturally changes that, yeah. um, with superintendents who are up at t- two, three, four in the morning, hitting hitting on the road, and I've grown to uh, to enjoy that morning quiet time. Uh, especially before the family stares and they're up, and so you know it's it's often you know i'm I'm often up at four or five o'clock at latest, you know just kind of up and and for me that part of that routine though that I always try to try to try to do each morning is is really just have a few minutes to let the thoughts go where they go and just you know kind of focus on breathing a little bit but uh but two things for me is is gratitude i'm I'm a big gratitude guy and, and trying to connect with that each day um and uh you know th- this may not be every day but but I'm also a big kind of like self affirmations and just kind of a reminder you know that you know whether it's you know you're smart you're creative you know you're you you're you're blessed right you know just just trying to speak that positivity into to yourself to start the day you know i think like a lot of us in you know type A's like we want to be the you know do this and do that and we're tough on ourselves we can be a lot a lot of us are right throughout the day and um you know there there was a there's actually there was a book i read a few years ago that kind of opened me up to this but it was called the power of now and so that that idea of that it's amazing how much our mind is constantly running 100 miles an hour during the day and and, and a lot of that mental just you know back and forth of stuff that we're not even fully conscious of mm-hmm. and and part of that is a lot of that that mental activity can be negative if we're not careful right you know really hard on ourselves negativity etc yeah, self-talk right right and so for me you know i, I remember and again this was this this might have been a decade ago or so now but um understanding that's how we're wired as people as humans right and so like trying to carve out some time each day to counter that right. has been important for me um and so, yeah, you know, the, the, the routines are important. And for me, like that, that little slice of the day, it just, it just gives me a reset so that now I can jump into the madness again, right. And, and, and get after it and do it at a high level. And I'll tell you at the end of the day, I'm exhausted and, and I look forward to my quiet time again to kind of, yeah. right. To, to, to reset. So, and then the other thing you asked about was, uh, was journaling. Um, and yeah, I tell you, I have I don't know where this came from, but I've always I've been a big fan of journaling since I was I think since I graduated from college. So like my early 20s and I uh, and and I don't know what if, if it was something I read or suggested I tried. But I am so glad I did years later. You know, now I'm, I'm, I'll am i be 40 here this year and I've been doing it now for almost 20 years. Um, and 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 my journey is not every day necessarily, but it's you know, I don't know, every every few weeks. Sometimes I go a couple months and I skip it. But it's just like, what's kind of something I've learned, you know, or, or just some insight I got. It could be from back then it might have been a breakup, a relationship to, a, you know, something at work to a trip, you know, like whatever, but just some like needle-moving insight. And then, you know, in that moment in time to drop it on paper. And it's been really cool now looking back over the last 20 yeah. years at these entries, Um, and really kind of recapping this journey, you know, along the way. And like mentally, it helps with some of that perspective now, right?
1: Yeah. Those are the impactful moments that make you, you,
2: right? That's right. That's right.
1: And you're, you're doing that journaling, you're documenting it. Yeah. And you can't really remember where you came across that. Like, what about the sandwiching? Where did you get that idea? Did someone put that thought in your mind or how did you come about? No, it,
2: I think that just happened because, as a necessity, man, especially in my world and, you know, what we do. And, you know, I'm not going to say necessarily just my world because I think a lot of us in the D.C. area, you know, it's it's crazy what we do. It's, it's, it's running 100 miles an hour constantly. But, you know, I can speak to my what I do for a living. And I know in construction, fast-paced construction where you're juggling a bunch of projects, you're juggling, you know bunch of subcontractors and clients and it, everything does literally move 100 miles an hour and for me someone who takes pride in delivering at a high level and being 100 percent on all day long i mean from the moment you get up and go in you know i used to be in the office seven o'clock i'm there to six o'clock 6 30 some days right and just the night thing was just a necessity like my head would literally be spinning after these yeah. days where like I just needed to unplug. I didn't want to listen to anything. I didn't want to, I couldn't, I didn't have the mental energy to watch TV or watch the news. And, and so it just kind of grew in a habit, right. Where like, it got to the point where I, I actually, I needed it. I look forward to that just decompressing time before bed. And, uh, it's funny, you know, now, you know, the last few years, obviously I've got the wife now and the kids and that challenges my, uh, my ability to decompress the way, I, the way I like, cause I you know, imagine. we finally get the kids down now. And, and I literally have an hour to go where I have some quiet time with my wife. So she shares my quiet, decompressing time, but okay. she's great, and I'm I'm okay with that. But
1: yeah. Has your routine and habits, has that sort of rubbed off on them, on, on your wife, or what about your kids? Like going back to exactly where you started, right? You can't be what you can't see. They see dad doing that, so that's, that's right. impacting their life. They see you running this business and being accountable to other people, but taking – those, uh, those, that necessary time for yourself to make sure that you're accountable to you too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, are they doing it too?
2: I, I, I will say. Um, I think it's, it's, it's rubbed off on my wife. So, um, she. But she's grown to love it. She's grown kind of to embrace that quiet time too. Uh, now I have a four year old caveman as a son. So yeah. no, not not it hasn't quite rubbed off on him yet. Okay. I'm I'm hopeful that it will eventually. Um and my daughter now, she's she's just turned one, so so they're a little young. But yeah. but but to your point, uh yeah, I, I am hopeful that it will rub off on them as they start to get a little older. Um, and the other thing for me that I've that I've learned through these, you know, just part of my routine is I think that quiet time is that's sometimes where where the motivations and creativity actually come from. When you actually kind of shut down your own thoughts and craziness and, you know, whether you're spiritual or not or religious or not, like for me, i have my own beliefs there and like where some of that inspiration and creativity comes from. And, you know, I, I, I think of it as a way for me personally, like that's where God speaks to me, you know, and, and that's that because I'm giving them an opportunity to do so. Uh, And so, so again, like, I think it is something that, that that's a good thing for all of us. And and certainly my family, I hope it's something that rubs off.
1: You mentioned earlier on mentors, right? You had a mentor from, uh, from a firm and I think he went to Brown, right? That's how you met. yeah. 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 Is he still in your life now? Do you still have mentors? Many people have more than one for different reasons. You might have a mentor in business and then a mentor in life, you know, yeah. Other other married guys that are in successful marriages could be a mentor for being a working person with two kids
2: yeah it's it's a good question um philip and and actually no i don't I don't have a consistent mentor um and you know the the gentleman I mentioned earlier tony gould a uh, great guy i he's since retired and, and kind of moved out of the local area of here, but we, we do keep in touch every once in a while. But that is, that's one thing that, you know, I guess if I were to assess my situation now and looking back the last few years that, that I think's missing for me personally. Yeah. Like I, 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 I hear and I understand the value associated with that. Um, and, and so now I, I don't. Um, and, you know, it's funny, this actually connects to something I mentioned earlier, right. It's just like not growing up necessarily with, you know, certain role models or opportunities there, like, you know, because I think a lot of our mentors come from, you know, sometimes it comes from family or connections through family or uncle this or that, you know, and and again, that was just one area that that I I didn't quite have. Um, But with that said, like, I do think that I've been blessed to know certain people along the way and certain people along the journey that have always kind of been, you know, been willing to grab a lunch, been willing to share advice and and this and that. I just never – developed a consistent one that i kind of carried through through the years um and then you know i think one of the ways though i've tried to fill that void is i i do read a lot mm-hmm. I, you know there's there's so much information out there now i mean this you know where we are in 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 time with you know what's on the internet to documentaries to you know social media and influencers and it's you can get a lot of insight and a lot of mentoring for free too just well, just by, you know, trying to do find what you can out there and that's helped. That's,
1: that's what it. I was yeah, I was going to yeah. say sometimes the mentor isn't necessarily someone you know and and meet with that's actually in your circle like i i listen and follow a number of people and i would consider them to be my mentors yeah. as well, yeah. right? So who are some of the people that you're reading and listening to and following?
2: Yeah, uh, i uh i i love um uh, Gary V. Yeah. He, he's a good one. He tells it to you straight, you yeah. know, I mean, all his stuff, I'm always like clicking on it and looking yeah. at, it. you know, I, I respect what he's done and just a, you know, straight to the point, you know, no BS. And, uh, you mentioned Simon earlier. Yeah. Uh, uh, and you know, his, his material and, um, uh, and I, and I say, I, I really do read, I'm, I'm a voracious reader. I'm, I'm always reading. I, I think normally two or three books at a time. I'm kind of rotating just what right, I feel like right. that night. Um, so you know i've uh um i tell you the other thing i i do that's helped through the years i always kind of make a point to um sit down and grab lunch or connect with two or three people a year that you know again that, that have done this or, or they have taken businesses mm-hmm. to where i want to take it in a few years mm-hmm. i try to get on their calendars and just kind of you know touch bases and connect you can't um, be what you can't see that's right that's right you know okay. just to, exactly right just to Hear their stories to understand it. I'm I'm reading a, a, and and speaking to that. I'm reading a good book right now. It's um uh, how I built this. Yeah, right. Have you have you heard of yeah, it? He's uh, podcasts yeah, he's got that. podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. And yeah. and coming back to everything we're talking about now, like that book, I love it because it's all it's doing is telling the behind the scenes and the stories of these businesses who you know who started from nothing and grown to where they are. The Airbnbs, the Cliff Bars, and and. That's cool because like I love books like that. There's another one, uh, um, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Mm. The story of Nike. Amazing. Like, yeah, I definitely recommend that as another book. But just uh I mean, it's 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 so cool just to see how and what I tell you one thing you realize, talk about the confidence piece I mentioned earlier. I didn't have the confidence, I didn't think I could do this, but what these stories show you is that most of these people are re- they're just regular folks yeah. struggling with the same insecurities you are or we are and like had their whys and went out and just gave it a shot and you know sure there's a lot that don't make it, but there are those that do and the you yeah. know almost to a tee every single you know almost i'm not going to say all of them, but a lot of them again at the end of the day they're just regular folks and taking a chance and you know a little luck here and there and you know it's it's amazing what they've built it's like a day at a time but they've done some pretty special things
1: yeah that's one of the hugest lessons that um we've been learning with the dc local leaders podcast and that i hope that everyone that's listening can can absorb as well is that you know it's working through that vulnerability and that fear and taking those steps one day at a time to get right through that i I can only speak for myself when i in the past when i saw successful people or people doing something that I thought maybe I'd want to do, there was this idea behind me that they were doing it because they were good at it. Not that they were good at it because they were doing it. That it it was just this barrier that I can't do. And and then to hear their actual stories, well, they're just as terrified of everything that I am, depending on the moment in time you talk to them. That's right. They'll be really confident at 2 o'clock, but then at 2.05, they're, oh my God, I don't know what's going on. And they're just they're people we all have the human condition and it's it's more of our reaction towards some of those things that, that help is us a great continue, point you know? that's well it,
2: said that's well said yeah
1: yeah and that and that's huge that's why I want to interview people like and to back to your point you can't be what you can't see right yeah if we didn't have the experiences of those people shared with us we wouldn't know that they're just people just like us that's and that right. we can do it that's right right otherwise i would just think that they're super smart or they're just Somehow, just better at knowing how to do things. They just more creative than I am, or whatever the insert whatever that you know whatever your insecurity happens to be.
2: Yeah, that's that's man. I love the way you put that. Like you assume that they are just really good at being a business owner or whatever. If what they're do- but that is not the case. Yeah, and, and yeah, and and as we we've, we've had this conversation, that was that was that was well put. Um, and and yeah, and hopefully my story is a testament to that too. Like, you know, um i've i've said this now looking back now the five years it's it's it was all about jumping off that cliff i like to look at it you know jumping off the diving board into the pool when you're in the pool you're gonna swim yeah <laughs> you know the scary part is just to jump off into the 12-foot section the first time jumping into the deep end right right and so looking back you jump in you will figure out you will swim you're gonna kick you're yeah. gonna move you're gonna do what you need to do so you don't drown at that point right and so you know it that's that's our story right yeah. it's like day at a time oh man there's challenges here there's challenges there but all right let's do what we need to do to figure it out let's research it let's bring in experts somebody else that knows better than us and you just take it a day at a time and, and yeah. now you know this week I sit here at five years and uh yeah
1: and there's a quote that I, I'm probably wearing out on this podcast, but if you want to take the island, burn the boats, because there's no going back, <laughs> That's right? right. That's right. Um, you know, one thing I really appreciate, you never once brought up profits. You never once brought up, you know, the income side of the business. It was more about delivering the product that's consistent with who you are.
2: Yeah.
1: And I think that's part of your why. And I think that's why uh, you're successful. And I think a lot of our leaders do talk about that. Many people do talk about income, and that's part of it. And that's yep. okay. Um, a lot of times we shame people that chase that or that think that that's a, a good thing to even have as a goal. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know that that's true or not. I mean, uh, you talked a lot about your why you, you brought up another book with me once before about a pumpkin patch. What yeah. was that pumpkin
2: patch? Yeah. So the the book, it was, it's called the pumpkin plan. Um, It was Mike McCallowich. I think is how he pronounces his last name. And this was a book early on, you know, we touched on a little bit kind of, our approach to like, you know, reading what we can and learning what we can. And, and this was a book I came across, I think, and, you know, as we were setting up the business that, that kind of tweaked the way we were thinking about things. And, and it, it, it brought up the idea of, um, you know, just understanding your strengths, you know, as a, it can be as an individual, as a company, and going all in on those strengths to do what you do best at a high level. And then understanding that, you know what, not every type of job or every type of, you know, project or or even every client is the right fit for you. And that's okay. And just being okay with that, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was this idea really for me, my big takeaway from it was, you know, um, just just understanding your niche, right? And, you know, I think my personal philosophy, you know, I think a lot of businesses or, or or teams you know they they instead of focusing on their strengths and doing what they do best they try to do a little bit of everything they say Mm -hmm. yes to everything they take on everything Mm -hmm. and and that includes the type of clients they work with yes to everyone and so you know it's hard to put your your best foot forward when you're just saying yes to everything you're touching this and that type of work and oh i've never done that but sure let me give it a try right and so the problem with that is right i think in the short term it satisfies your need to bring in volume and bring in this or bring in that but you know it's not allowing you to really leverage your strengths in the, in the areas or that you that you're that you're best in right mm-hmm. and so um and that could also be right because think about it if you get busy doing you know everything from a to z but really your strength lies in you know uh call it letter c you know when the next client who has a letter c for you they want you to do the work the problem is you're busy doing everything else right w and, or- right you're doing all the other letters and you know but that's what you're really strongest at but you can't do it and then so you have a choice at that point do you take it on knowing that you're already at capacity or do you pass up what you're best at and at that point most of us will take it on and then you trip and you stumble and mm. you don't do it at a high level because you're all over the place. Right? Even though you're capable of it. Even though you're capable it of. And it you know them. you are and so do they. That's right. And so over the long term, that approach, is that the best approach to say yes to everything? No. You know, that's kind of where we landed. And I think it fit in well to, to our, our model. Like I knew what we were good at and at the time is. You know, we were fortunate to to grow up and learn at, at some of the largest GCs and what are they best known for? They're known for, you know, delivering some of the largest, sexiest, complex work at a high level. And so, you know, we said to ourselves, all right, well, you know, I know we're a small firm today, but if that's what we're that's where our, our experience is, that's what we're good at, those are the types of clientele we're used to working with. Let's just try to let's try to focus on that. Let's try to stick with that and 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 that's what we did it was it was a little bit it was a different um approach to what you know what we do i think the the typical contracting model out there is to you know you say yes and you figure out how to do it later right it's but for us it it, it took a certain amount of uh you know patience the last five years to really just kind of stay true to who we were and stick to what we what we knew best and 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 it's worked i mean for us that's been our secret you know that's again, that's, that's been a, it's been a big part of our success is, is, is staying true to ourselves. Um, and, and look, understanding at the end of the day, we're not the best fit for every client or every type of work out there. And we're, we're okay with that. Um, and, and I think, I think our clients now on the other side of that have grown to respect that out of us. And, and, and so they've, you know, it's, it's been a learning curve even for them, for us to have to explain, you know, Hey, that's, we're not quite suited you know, for that type of work. And our subs are built a little differently. So they may not, you know, be able to keep, compete well on that type of work or that type of work. And so, you know, this is who we are. And, you know, it's kind of a tough conversation at at first, because people want to help you, and they're trying to get you opportunities. But over time, you know, they grow to understand that. And then you know what, when the right work comes along, then, you know, they, they come our way then. And, You're and, top of mind. And that's right. That's right. And And they also know at that point that, you know, when we say we, we're hungry and we're ready to do this job, they believe it. It's not just to sell for us because that's just kind of built into how we've operated up to that point. And so it's it's really, you know, I think, you know, we were pointed that way early on. But back to your question on the book, I, I think that book really helped kind of solidify where we were pointed already. And because and, and, and you got to remember, as a new company, this is like this is this is different like this you know most new companies are just trying to earn a check and survive and so this was like a risk this was a risk for Mm -hmm. us and like to will this really work will we just turn off too many people where they're not even going to want to work with us anymore because we were saying no and no you know we're a small company and and you know knock on wood um it it, it's 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 worked. it's it's working and but yeah
1: yeah i mean there was a lot of look so uh, many leaders will tell you that you know asking for help is not a sign of weakness asking for help is a sign of trust like you, that other person now sees you as being way more trustworthy because you won't let something fail for lack of, for the sake of pride or ego that's right and not asking for help and i think the same thing goes for saying no it's not that we're incapable of doing that job. It's not that we're incapable of being your GC and servicing that requirement for you. It's just not what we're best at. That's right. And we focus on what we can deliver at the quality, at the, the production level and the quality level that is important to us. That's and we right. don't want to sacrifice that. That's right. We yeah. don't want to sacrifice that for you, our customer. You deserve better. And you can get better. And I'm sure you probably even recommended some other people. Absolutely, right? Absolutely. That you knew yep. for that. If it's retail, you know what? I've got a guy that does fantastic right. retail. We undoubtedly could crush that, but it's not what we do best.
2: That's right. You no. Know? Well, again, just just well said, yeah. and that's exactly been our mentality. And and it's and it's funny. Like I've I've probably recommended more more g other GCs for work than I have in my whole career. Right. You know, I've done that more in the last five years because at the end of the day, look, yeah. I want to be a resource for that, you know, potential client or this and or that. And they'll trust you more. That's right. That's right. You didn't lie
1: to me just to get the money and just to right. get the
2: job. That's right. And and then, it's just being true, being yeah. true to ourselves. And, you know, and, and at the end of the day, I am actually, even though they may not like to hear it at the moment, I am looking out for them. Right. You know, ultimately, like I, I yeah. we are.
1: Because then the other side of that, when you say, yes, I can do this, they trust that he can because he also told you right. when he could. That's right. Um, you know, and yeah, and so I guess the pumpkin, the book – so they were – I guess the idea was that there's multiple ways to grow a pumpkin.
2: That's right. right? That's right. Yeah, that, that was the premise behind it. Like I just took away – that was my big takeaway from it. But yeah, the whole premise of the book was like it actually went back to um, – I think uh, he highlighted like, you know, those like pumpkin competitions, like those massive yeah. pumpkins that yeah. farmers grow. And I think, like, the premise for them was like just understanding that you know there's a specific way to grow those massive pumpkins. Like, there's multiple ways to grow pumpkins, and so you know these farmers would figure out like the best way to do it, and then the seeds from those bigger pumpkins they'd reuse and replant, and then they take the bigger, the biggest pumpkins from those and use those seeds, and and then so like I think the bottom line, you know, he applied that concept to businesses and saying, look, there's there's multiple ways to grow a business, to grow your massive pumpkin. You know, there's in in the author's opinion, there's some there's there's some validity to really kind of focusing in and being efficient on that and, you know, how you attack that growth. Um, and and so, like, you know, again, that was kind of the big takeaway for us is just, you know, look, trying to cut to the point of like what we do best and do it at a high level and don't spread ourselves thin of kind of, you know, touching everything else. And, and, and so, yeah it's, yeah, it's it's helped
1: how do you foster that concept and that idea and even just the things you've learned as a leader through your company's culture, right? What would you say your company's culture is?
2: I mean, how do you guys? Yeah. I think if I had to sum up, you know, the, the, the values that we really push for as a, as a company, um, I, you know, I think it, I think the ideas of collaboration, um, I think diversity, Mm -hmm. um, and, and, a commitment to excellence would be three kind of buzzwords that uh, that we value as, you know, I know myself personally, and my Dave and our, our leaders. And as we've grown and, you know, you know, the, the collaboration piece is really just kind of internally and externally really working alongside each other. There's no you or I. And like at the end of the day, we're all in this to, to achieve the same goal. And that can be whether, you know, I said internally and externally, because externally that can be, you know what? Working alongside our design partners and, you know, making sure at the end of the day, we're working behind the scenes to make this the most, you know, pleasant experience for our shared collective end user possible. And, you know, I think I think part of the the, the problem, you know, sometimes in our industry and maybe others, you know, there's this mentality to look like the hero every chance mm-hmm. you get. And, you know, well, they did this or they did this, but we're, we're good. Right. You know, and, and so. Um, you know, I think that idea of like collaboration and then, you know, two for us is, you know, I don't think diversity is a strength of our industry, the real estate industry as a whole. Right. And so I love the idea as this company grows is the an idea of, you know what, we can build a pretty cool company that embraces diversity, having those different backgrounds and those different perspectives and ever, all of that diversity sitting around a table to solve a problem and let the best ideas win out. I think that's that's what makes us better, right? And and the, the and the third thing that that I'm really excited about and it comes back to what we do. We know what we do at a high level and we take pride like our goal is to be one of the best and and you know what? At the end of the day if we can be one of the best out there what we do and these values play into that. Um, You know, all my folks know this, everyone who's been hired at Watts, they didn't know it at the time, but we're looking at them through the lens of these values and like, you know, yeah, it's important of your professional background and like technical skills and all that stuff, but will they fit in with these core pillars and values of who we are ultimately? You know,
1: I talk about belonging and fitting in and it sounds like you guys have evaluated a core set of beliefs. So everyone is both belonging and fitting in, right? They're getting along with each other. One thing you mentioned that it it goes right back to what you were saying, you can't be what you can't see. The diversity of thought, the diversity of background and perception and where people come from and what they're – Uh, background was professionally and then maybe just nationality, uh, you know, men, women, all these things. So I wouldn't think of something through the lens that you do because I'm a different person and I have different experiences. That's right. And so you may never actually ever come to that, that conclusion or that thought because you don't have the experience that I have. You that's don't right. have the lens that I'm looking through, the same exact situation or problem, like, you know, when it comes to problem solving, yeah. especially. Yeah. And, and that's what makes a company, I think, especially in the general because you have to think on your feet. Awesome. And if you're only used to doing things one way, you know, well, when things aren't that way, what are you going to do? That's right. Playing the blame game that if only they would have done what we needed to do when they needed to do it, then it would have gone well. And the reason why it didn't go well isn't because of us, it's because of them we had every opportunity to speak up and kind of be participate in the solution, but we didn't do that. We just want to make sure, you know, it was there for Yeah, Right. Right. You know, and you're not doing that. Yeah. Well look, you know, I don't want to take a lot of your time. I really appreciate you spending some time with us. You know, it's been great. It's been great to to catch up with you and to talk to you.
2: Yeah.
0: Thanks for listening to DC Local Leaders. We'd love to connect with you. Find us on LinkedIn and YouTube by searching DC Local Leaders on Instagram at DC Local Leaders or our website, dclocalleaders.com. You can find the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google, or wherever you find great podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you're a business leader and have questions on your lease and how it impacts your business's opportunities to grow or have questions about the market, you can reach Philip directly at philip.nathrum at transwestern.com. He'd love to speak with you. Until next time.